Great to see you all here today on this uh, Memorial Day weekend where we remember as the video uh, showed us at the beginning those who, who went and gave their lives uh, so that we can have the lives that we have. It's an overwhelming thought. We pause and reflect on it and it is right for us to do that at this point. Uh, at, the, at the early going, it appeared that uh, it was mostly going to be people who were involved in the program who were going to be here today. But as things rolled along, we've got quite a good group here today. So I'm glad that you are able to join us. And to all those who are joining us online today, we welcome you. We're so glad you're part of this service today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask your spirit to be with us, Lord, and uh, make us truly thankful for for those who have acted unselfishly on our behalf, um, particularly this weekend, remember those who gave their lives and remember the families uh, who have carried that burden for us. Now, Lord, we turn our minds to your word. We pray that you would speak to our hearts today. May we take from here what you would have us hear and know and understand and live. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to begin again in Revelation chapter 4. This is the text we've been uh, jumping off of each time. Revelation chapter 4, that scene at the throne of God that John is invited in to see. And it says, <clears throat> Revelation chapter 4 verse 11, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. And then it gives the reason. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. What we've been doing here for a few weeks is, is reflecting on this, this unswerving, unapologetic, uncompromising reality that comes to us from Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, and in practically every book in between, this singular reality that God is the creator of the world. Now we talked about for most of history, that hasn't been a weird thing to say. For most of history of mankind, humans believed that some sort of a God somehow, somewhere, at some point created what is. But it's only in our era, really in the last 200 years or so, that there has been in the world a growing belief that somehow everything that is just happened and that there was no God who created in the beginning. Now too often in the Christian sphere, we have not engaged this larger discussion. Instead, we have fought ourselves over the exact manner of the creation. Exactly when did it happen? Exactly how long did it take? We're not going down that road right now because that's not the crisis in our day. The crisis in our day is there is a large portion of reality in humanity that no longer believes this. And because this is the environment we find ourselves in, these beliefs slowly creep their way into our own thinking. We don't even realize it's happening. 
But in this short series, I want to, I've been focusing again on this reality that at the throne of God, they say the reason you are worthy of glory and honor and power is because you created all things and by your will they existed. Now last Sabbath, we took a, a particular approach to this as it relates to Jesus. And what we talked about last Sabbath is that you, your existence is not accidental, it's not a fluke, it's not random. You were created <clears throat> through someone and for someone. Which means that your life is, is not without meaning or purpose. You are in fact love. Colossians chapter 1, this was our key text. Verse 15, speaking of Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And verse 16, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus really is at the center of it all. And not just the initial creation, which is listed here, everything in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, but also the continuing existence of reality. It says here, thrones and dominions and rulers and authorities. Jesus was there at the beginning and Jesus has been there through it all, right next to us, with us. And in him, everything holds together, which is fortunate because sometimes it looks like everything is about to fly apart. That's why we don't put our faith and our confidence in the constructs of humanity, whether it be government or even religious systems. We put our confidence in Jesus because only in him does it hold together. So a key point we want to hold on to as we go forward. As creator, God knows his creation better than the creation even knows itself. And he knows what is best for his creation. And the more we learn about what is best, the better our lives will be and the better off the whole of his creation will be. I read this text early on, Proverbs chapter three, verse five. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. What's being said here is, is that God as creator, he knows. So trust him and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So what is the promise of this proverb? This proverb says if you will trust in the Lord and trust in his leading and trust in the instruction that he gives and live your life according to it, turn away from evil, what will the result be? Well, I want you to notice very clearly here. <clears throat> the result is not that you're saved and get to go to heaven. Okay, see, we get that confused, right? 
we sometimes think the reason we're supposed to obey God's laws is so that maybe we'll be good enough to go to heaven. Throw that away. You're not. You can't do it good enough. So that's not what it's for. That's what Jesus came to do for us. That's why Jesus came to die for us. That's why he lived the life we couldn't live. So so put that aside, I'm not talking about that. And neither is the proverb. The proverb says, if you will do what God says, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Doing things the way God has told us to do them will work out in a better life for us. A key moment in maturity as a Christian is when you actually begin to believe that what God wants for your life is what's best for your life. And to acknowledge that when it comes to my life, God is actually smarter than I am. Proverbs chapter one, verse seven. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. There are times in my life when I don't want to hear what the Creator tells me. Do you have moments like that? There are times in my life when I don't want to hear what the Creator tells me. And there's a name for me at those times in my life. Fool. That's how it works. It is to save us from being fools and from wasting our lives that God has given us instruction. Now we're going to spend most of the rest of our time today in Deuteronomy chapter 4. So if you want to take a Bible there in front of you, I'm using that, uh, that same version, the English Standard Version. Deuteronomy chapter 4, and we're going to we're going to go through several sections here. You heard a portion of it uh, in, in our, our reading today. So you've already heard some of this. Deuteronomy 4, beginning in verse 1. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you. This is Moses talking. He's saying, now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you and do them that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word that I command you nor take from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Now, this is a very interesting verse, this verse 2, because it touches on what we are always prone to do when it comes to God's word to us. There's two ways for us to go off the rails. The first way is to decide part of it doesn't matter. And that drives us into the ditch on one side. The other way is to decide this is all so important, we need to add a whole bunch of rules on top of it, which is to drive into the ditch on the other side. And you can see this in the history of Israel. 
So much of the history of Israel in certain eras is them saying, yeah, I know you said have no other gods before me, but it's not raining right now, so I'm gonna offer a sacrifice to the God of rain. They took away from what God told them. And it resulted in trouble in the land. They made decisions about their behavior. They didn't honor their neighbors. They, they didn't honor their marriage relationships. And yeah, crazy thing, society broke down. But then, then they go off to Babylon and they decide we're never gonna do wrong again. And they come back and they start making rules to protect the laws. And they create all of these rules to where by the time Jesus comes along, it says, you have made such a mess of this that you make it impossible for anyone to believe. You tie up heavy burdens and put it on their back. Instead of service to God and love of God being freeing, it's become this horrible burden experience where you're just trying to survive long enough in hopes that maybe you can be saved. No, God came into the world to set us free. He gave us his laws to set us free from the chains that we bind ourselves in when we violate the order that God created. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We've got to believe that what he's told us will really give us the life we want. Deuteronomy 4, verse 5. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do them in the land that you're entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whether we whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? This was how it was supposed to be for Israel. They were supposed to live out this law that God gave them, and the net result would have been a blessing within that land because the natural result of doing the things that God established, that he said, this is how I created the world. If you do things in this way, this is the result. If they had lived it out, other nations would have looked at them and said, why are they prospering so much? Why are the relationships within their community so good? It's like their God is right in the midst of them. That's how it was supposed to be. And that's how it would be if we as God's people really did live according to everything he's laid out for us. Now, it's easy for us to look at Israel and say, what a bunch of losers. But how well are we living out what Jesus has told us? You see, the kingdom of God is, not, is no longer a nation and a race of people living in a place on the earth. The kingdom of God is now everyone because in Christ, all are brought into this. And Jesus has given us direction and told us what to do. These very words 
where it says, keep them and do them, verse six, for that will be your wisdom and understanding in the sight of the peoples who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, surely this is a great nation, a wise and understanding people. What if we, as a church, kept and did all the things that Jesus told us to do? Would not the peoples around us say, wow, what an interesting people. Look at the way they love one another. Look at the way they care about the things that matter. I would like to be a part of a people like that. It's as if God is with them. Now, isn't that the promise? Isn't that what Jesus said before he went away? He said, and lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Isn't that the whole point of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit so that the presence of God is with us all the time? It should be true for us today. What Jesus has given to us as a people, what we have through God's word is better than all the other philosophies. And if as a people we lived it, the people of the world would notice. John chapter 13, verse 34, the words of Jesus. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's supposed to work the same way. The same thing that, that God said to Israel in Deuteronomy through the mouth of Moses, Jesus is saying to us, if you will live this, people will notice. Deuteronomy 4 verse 9, only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life, Make them known to your children and your children's children. A very relevant passage to this church who's right now in a, in, in a, in a uh, season of having children. We've had quite a few births in this community this year. And there's a lot of young people that are a part of this community. And it's not enough for us to just gather as adults and talk to each other. It is critically a part of the mission that we pass these things along to the children. The first route, mom and dad. The number one way. Second route, it, second route, it can happen in Sabbath school. It can, it can happen at VBS. It also happens at Vista Ridge. These are ways that we pass these things along. Make them known to your children and your children's children. Verse 10, how on the day that you stood before the Lord at Horeb, the Lord said to me, gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth and that they may teach their children so. And you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while the mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven wrapped in darkness, cloud, and gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. 
You heard the sound of his words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. And he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform. That is the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and rules that you might do them in the land that you are going over to possess. Okay, a couple of things here. None of us literally were with Israel that day, standing, looking at the mountain and and seeing the fire. So maybe we didn't have that exact experience. But you've been in this church before when there was a powerful worship experience going on. You've been here when the worship team was singing and you in your heart singing along felt the presence of God in that moment. And you have, in moments like that, communed with the God and that, that you cannot see. And you have, in those moments, heard his voice speak to you. And maybe in those days, he wrote ten words on stone. But in those moments, he wrote words on your heart. You know what I'm talking about. You've been in the presence of God. You've heard his voice. You've felt the spirit moving in your heart. You are not imagining these things. And the things that God whispered to you, instruction, guidance, affirmations of his love, these were not imagined. He is the creator. He is the lawgiver. And he's given us these things, these, these teachings, these words, not because he's a harsh master, but because he wants good for us. If we could come to see his law as a grace to us, then that law would keep us. And that law would empower us. You see, it's not so much about whether you're going to keep God's law. It's that if you will honor it and follow it, it will keep you. We don't keep it to be saved. That would nullify Jesus. We keep it because it is the way in which God's creation was made to work. It's the only thing that does work. What if we lived in a world where people followed God's law? What would that be like? Well, let's, let's just start right off the top. If we lived in a world where people followed God's law, 19 children would not have died this week. That would be a mercy, wouldn't it? If we lived in a world where people followed God's law, the Russians would not be destroying Ukraine right now. I'm for that. If we lived in a world where people followed God's law, you wouldn't have to put your bike in the garage at night. 
right? If we lived in a world where people followed God's law, we could actually believe what people said. The whole Johnny Depp, Amber Heard thing wouldn't even be a thing. If we lived in a world where people followed God's law, unfaithfulness wouldn't break up relationships. Does any of this sound good to you? Or does that sound like God being mean? Because I'm kind of feeling like if we did it God's way, I might like life better. In fact, it sounds like a place I'd like to live. And in truth, is that not the reality of heaven? Is that what the Lord's Prayer says? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven is the place where God's will is done. Earth is the place right now where it's not. Or at least, certainly not exclusively. Deuteronomy chapter four, verse 32. For ask now of the days that are past, which were before you, since the day that God created man on the earth. Once again, I just, just pause right there. And, and, and that's how this passage ties into this bigger theme. It, you see how the Bible doesn't even question it. It just includes it as reference, this reality that God is the creator of the world. The whole basis here for, for why God has authority to give law, why God has authority to establish reality is because he's creator. And here it is again, it's just thrown in. For ask now of the days that are past, which were before you since the day that God created man on the earth, and ask from one end of heaven to the other whether such a great thing as this has ever happened or, has ever, or was ever heard of. Did any people ever hear the voice of a God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard and still live? We don't tend to think about it in that way because we understand the grace that is ours through Jesus. Occasionally we're presumptive upon it, but we understand the grace that is ours through Jesus. But remember, God is a consuming fire. And it is in him that our sins and unrighteousness are consumed. But it's only by his grace that we are not consumed with our unrighteousness. Verse 34, or has any God ever attempted to go and take a nation for himself from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, and by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and by great deeds of terror, all of which the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Now here's a part we're a little uncomfortable with, and in some ways reality has shifted from this time because God was establishing a people so that he could create the, the, the scripture as we have them and the story of his redemption that would lead to the coming of Jesus and the redemption of us all. So there's a, there's a process in what God was doing, and he does it differently now. But, but realize this. It is the consistent testimony of Scripture that God plays a hand in the reality of the affairs of men. You remember what 
what uh, Paul says on Mars Hill. We talked about this in the book of Acts. It said God established all the kingdoms and said where they would be and what they would do and how long they would last. And we also have it in that Colossians passage that I read you before where it says all the authorities and powers were made for Jesus. So we need to not limit our thinking about what God is in charge of. We have to understand that our understanding is not sufficient to know everything that's being done and happening. But we need to not limit ourselves and limit God by our narrow thinking. Verse 35, to you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God, that there is no other beside him. Out of heaven he let you hear his voice that he might discipline you, and on earth he let you see his great fire, and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers and chose their offspring after them, and brought you out of Egypt with his own presence by his great power, driving out before you nations greater and mightier than you, to bring you in, to give you their land as an inheritance as it is this day, know therefore today and lay it to your heart that the Lord is God in heaven and on the earth beneath, there is no other. Therefore you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today. Why? That it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. Now it plays out a little differently for us. It doesn't play out in that exact nation of Israel kind of way. It plays out in a different way. But let me tell you how it plays out for my family. I think I may have told you some of this before, but my great-great-grandfather moved with his family to eastern Washington State. And after moving to eastern Washington State, they were farmers, and starting their farm, my great-great-grandfather, great-great-grandmother, and their 12 children, they went to some meetings being held by a man named A.T. Jones, who was an early Adventist evangelist. And at those meetings, my great-great-grandfather and great-great-grandmother decided they believed this, and they and their whole family became a part of this religious house and they passed the teaching to the generations now everything didn't go perfectly it was just like your family right but they passed it to the generations and the generations after believed and stayed in touch with one another and my grandfather came along and decided that, that the Lord was calling him to be a pastor in this, in this Adventist church. And my father, after my grandfather, heard that same calling. And I came along after thinking I was supposed to be a chemical engineer and doing that for five years. I got the calling and left that behind and became this. There's a story not dissimilar to this that can be told through Alicia's line of the family, but I'll let her tell you that sometime. And our children came along 
And they are in the process of making this faith their own. And now I have a grandchild. And we keep teaching it to the generations and it blesses us. I am blessed because of the faithful decision making and the keeping of God's law that has come to me through the years. And you can do nothing more to bless your children than to teach them the word of God and the ways of God and live according to it yourself. This is why he taught us these things. And I gotta tell you, just as I'm looking around me right now, it is clear enough to me that we, if we as a people in this land don't start living by a higher standard than what is currently going on, we will not be prolonging our days as a nation in this land. We're falling apart. Now, I'm not arguing for legislating righteousness. That never works. What we need is heart change, and government cannot affect heart change. That's the church's job. And frankly, the church in America is not doing very well at that. They're mostly doing well at hardening their hearts and hardening the hearts of everyone else. But it doesn't mean that we can't do well. God has put us in this place, in this day, in this season. But we have to want to do well. We have to want to keep God's word in our day. The teachings of God might at times seem out of step with the time. But if God is creator and if he loves us, something that he's proved through Jesus and proved in our lives many times. If God is creator and if he loves us, don't you think he knows what's best for us and what will make us most happy? Proverbs 3, verse 7, be not wise in, our, in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Do you think of that when you think about God's instruction in your life? That, that to follow this will be healing? I want to invite Jared and the band to come back up. They're going to lead us in some songs here as we close out. But as they're coming up, I want to read you my favorite psalm. My favorite psalm is Psalm 1. And it goes like this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. What becomes of this person? The one who, who doesn't take the counsel of the wicked or, or behave like sinners or, or stand on the side of anything good and scoff. You know, you've probably done it. I've done it. But instead, his delight is in the law of the Lord. What does this mean? Delighting in the instruction that God has given. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Have you ever challenged yourself to do that? To reflect on what's good? 
to think about how can I do good? What is he like? Verse three, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. Why did God give us his law? He gave it to us to bless us because if we follow it, we will be blessed. It's because he loves us. God is the creator and as creator, he's given us instruction on how to live this life and those who listen and follow the instruction will prosper. Why did he do it? He did it because he loves us. Lots of you have kids. Why do you instruct your children? Why do you say, don't touch the stove? Why do you say you need to go to bed now? Is it because you don't like them? No, it's because you love them. And that's the exact same reason God says these things to us. It's because he loves us. What happens to your children if they touch the stove when it's hot? They suffer. What happens to your children if they stay up all night? They suffer and you suffer. God doesn't want us to suffer. At least, not for so many ways that can be avoided. Sometimes our suffering does bring glory to God, but, but why would we inflict it on ourselves? God is the creator. God is the life giver. He loves us. Let's do what he says. 